Syria is my home. It's my land. I loved everything about it. My family and I felt safe there. In 2011, Syria erupted into war. My family was sitting around the table when a bomb exploded at our front door. We ran for seven hours in the mountains before we crossed the border. Though Mehar and her family managed to escape to Lebanon, the battle to survive was just beginning. Some days, we didn't have enough money for food, so we had to beg from our neighbors. Displaced and without access to education, friends, or even food to sustain her, things seemed hopeless. We met the principal of a school with a Convoy of Hope feeding program, and he was able to enroll me. For many children, the meal Convoy provides in school is the only one they will eat throughout the day. Without it, their ability to learn will suffer. But with your help, we can provide these children with the food they need to make the most of their education. I get tired in my classes. I'm hungry, but then I have lunch and I get recharged. Through relationships with her friends at school, Mehar was introduced to the gospel, and now her life is being transformed by her newfound faith in Jesus and her education. With proper nutrition fueling her, Mehar is able to live up to her potential. For me, education is everything. Someday, I want to be an English teacher. What can I say? Thank you to everyone who helps provide this food. From hunger and devastation to a future full of promise, Mehar's life is proof of the power of a meal. From the darkest moments in my life, I was able to live again. I have hope again. Life Church, today we are joined by a very special guest speaker, Michael McNamee. Michael has served as the president and founder of Convoy of Hope Europe, serving in over 50 European countries and reaching out to thousands of refugees fleeing war and persecution. Michael grew up in Northern Ireland during the ethno-nationalist conflicts that took place in the 1960s and the 1990s. He understands how political conflict can sow fear, pain, and instability in people's lives and in the country. He also understands how we as a church can make a difference in those circumstances and with those people. So will you join with me in giving Michael McNamee a warm Life Church welcome? Amen. The last time I was here, the applause was much louder and longer. Okay, let's move on. It is, I'm very, I'm Irish, by the way, in case you didn't, you don't know that. You will not understand 60% of what I say, but I am not ashamed of the gospel. Say the word ashamed. 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 The Holy Spirit. Say spirit. spirit. What is this here? That's a shamrock shake. Okay, I'll move on. And so, try, if you don't understand what I'm saying, just guess, okay? 
I am a bit emotional tonight. I'm an emotional person anyway because Irish people are very emotional. But I'm emotional tonight because I'm in Life Church, Germantown, Wisconsin. Before I came to Wisconsin, I just thought there were a lot of fool people, foolish people who went to football matches wearing cheese on their head. I thought that was a, the sum and total of all people in Wisconsin. Then I came here and I found a church called Life Church. And I want to say something. My life has been radically changed by your pastor and people in this church and the sacrifice of this church. My continent, the continent I love, the continent of Europe, will never, ever be the same again. Because years ago, Pastor Aaron Cole decided he was going to make an investment in that continent. And thanks to you, Europe is changing for the better. It used to be the most difficult country in the world. You know, it's so expensive to go to uh, Europe. Most of you have been there. A gallon of gas is seven or eight dollars. It's $2.30 here, something like that. My wife and I can no longer afford to put gas in our car. I just get in it and she pushes me. And she's on a fitness program, so we're going faster. But anyway, but thanks to you, the continent of Europe has changed. And I'm here tonight to say thank you. Thank you to every single one of you. I want to say thank you to Brother Aaron Cole and his much younger and more beautiful wife, Tammy. I want to thank, say thank you to Mackenzie Muller. You're sitting out there, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, you are incredible. If I had a son, I would tell him to marry you for the money. Seriously, <laughs> you're loaded. She is an incredible person. I want to say thank you to, for sending Kevin and Noel Miller. They send their regards to you tonight. I want to say thank you for sending Analia. Where's Analia? Are you here tonight? You sent her two summers ago. She was single when she came, and now she's getting married. How many single people are here tonight? Come for a weekend or a month to Europe. When you come back here, you'll get married. I promise you that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ready availability of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the easy access into your presence. Father, we're here tonight not to do an ordinary thing. We, there are people passing by on the road outside, and they're wondering why there's cars here on the Saturday night. And they're probably saying, oh, it's something simple, something superficial, just a small group of people gathering. It's nothing. They do not understand that in this sanctuary tonight and tomorrow in the other campuses, you are going to do something mighty that is going to change the course of history all over this world. As we sit here tonight, missionaries who are supported by this church are praying. They're waiting for the outcome of your sacrifice because they need you to do the, what God has called them to do across this globe. Father, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I do not have the words to adequately or articulately express what Life Church means and what it's doing in the continent of Europe. I have no words to express the love I feel for the Cole family, Lord God, and what they mean to Burl and me, and Mackenzie and Annalie and Kevin and Noel, Lord God. Bless these dear people, I pray, in your precious name, amen. Normally I start with jokes, but I really am emotional tonight because I look down on so many people who came to teams and I realize that my life is different because of you. So when you meet somebody like that, it's very, very emotional. I want to read from the book of Psalms. Say Psalms. Oh my heavens. Psalms. Okay, the book 
of Psalms. Chapter 2, verse 8. Say it. It. You're getting there, okay? Psalms, chapter 2, verse 8 says, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance and the ends of the earth your possession. Very simple there. The Lord says, ask of me. If we ask of him, there's a condition. He will give us nations. He will bring us to the ends of the world. We here in this place in Germantown, Wisconsin, we now understand because of leadership of this church, most people don't, that if we ask of God, God wants to do something in us, our desire will determine our destiny. But this weekend, our desire will determine the destiny of a world that is lost. Because every single one of you, I know you got up this morning and you went into the bathroom and you looked in the mirror. Say mirror. I said they brought the baby Jesus, gold, frankincense, and a mirror. <laughs> and you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see. I look in the mirror this morning. McDonald's is disturbing my stomach. I'm losing my hair. But Jesus looks at me and he goes, coochie, coochie, coo, which is Hebrew for I love you. And no matter what you feel like this morning, no matter how many times you've come to this altar and cried unto God, and the Holy Spirit is like some elusive butterfly and has not touched you yet, you look out your window tonight and the prodigal has not come back. Your body is hurting. Your marriage needs reconciliation. And you pray and nothing. Tonight, the Lord, through his Holy Spirit, wants to transform and change you. Not only change you, but use you to touch our world in a way that you've never been touched before. I want to show you some slides now about transition before you put them up. Never before have I come to a country that is so divided. America is the greatest country in the world. The devil knows that, and the one thing the devil wants to do, he wants to divide this country. If he can break down America, there's very little hope, humanly speaking, for the world, although God will raise up someone else. We are in a transition. Let's show the slide. Transitions. Transitions are often difficult. They're sometimes delicate, but they're always defining. Some people are completely terrified of change. Some are tolerant of it, and some thrive in it. America is not the America I saw 30 years ago, or 20 years ago, or 10 years ago, but it's still the greatest country in the world, but it's gone through a transition. I go to so many churches now who used to give to missions, and many of them say to me, we are not giving any money outside America. Those people across the world, they don't like us. They say, Yankee, go home. Yes, they do. But God never told us to give because they liked us. And we're going through this transition. Now, you've got a decision to make tonight. You can sit there and be normal. Lord, I find this church will be very difficult to be normal in. Or you can be a part of God wants to do. I was saved through the testimony of my wife. As most of you know, I fought in the war in Ireland for many, many years, both politically and military. And one day, I wanted to kill myself because everything I believed in was falling apart around me. And this young girl, she was then, she's still beautiful, she walked up to me and she says, Michael, you've got a problem. I was shocked. I thought I was perfect. <laughs> and she said, you need Jesus. And through a series of events, 
horrible things. She brought me to the Lord. And she was so excited about bringing me to the Lord. She says, I want to marry that guy. So I borrowed some money off her, bought her an engagement ring, <laughs> borrowed some more money off her, and we got married. And our life has been transformed ever since. We had to flee from Ireland because I was brought up a Catholic. She's brought up a Protestant. And because of my past history, and they tried to assassinate me on Tuesday night, and I fled from Ireland. Burl and I met up again, and the Lord set us off on this path. I am a refugee. I had to leave Ireland because of my previous history. And across this world today, there are millions and millions and millions of people who call themselves refugees. And the Lord gave me a burden for the Dynanites. We went to Portugal for 10 years, an incredible thing. We were part of a Bible school that put 650 people into full-time ministry. I started a correspondence school with the power of the Lord in it, and we had 365,000 students in Angola, Mozambique, and part of the Portuguese world. The Mozambiques and people from Mozambique and Angola were taken over by the communists, and they fled to Portugal. And the refugees staying in every hotel, no food half the time, just a terrible turmoil and crisis. And God spoke to a man in Germany. This guy in Germany was given a vision of my face. Can you imagine having a vision of my face? <laughs> and he phoned, he, con he contacted Berlin Island, Portugal, and he invited us out to dinner, and we went to a chicken restaurant in Lisbon. And he said to me, Michael, the Lord has spoken to us to start a ministry amongst these refugees here in Portugal, one million refugees, and we want you to lead that ministry. And I said, okay, we'll see. And he says, I want to give you $420,000 a month, up to $6 million the next year and a half to do this ministry. This was 40 years ago almost, and I went. And I said, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom and put water in my face. And I said, did he just say $6 million? And I went back and he said, I said, did you say $6 million? And he said, yes. I said, you're on. And over the next year and a half, we ministered to tens of thousands of refugees. And God put a burden in my heart. We built clinics. We built orphanages. We supported 15,000 kids, $10 a month. And God moved by his power and by his spirit. And then the Lord led me out of Portugal and we went to Belgium, and everything collapsed. I tried to start a worldwide refugee ministry, and my denomination says, you're not going to do it. How many times have we prayed here in this corner for something, and it hasn't happened yet? And so what I started to do, I started to travel around all of Europe, starting churches. I would preach 365 days a year, can you imagine listening to this 365 days a year? I preached 500 times, and I would try and start churches, and it's so difficult to start churches there. At the end of one year, I would have 25 dysfunctional people. Have you been to that church? And I said to Bro one day, I've wasted the last five years starting five churches of 25 people in different countries in Europe. I can't keep this up. I want to go to Latin America to see some life. You say Jesus in Latin America, thousands of people are, are saved. I want to do that. She says, Michael, you need to listen to your sermons. They're not that good, <laughs> but listen to them. 
God has called you to Europe. And I said, I don't know what to do here. And one day I heard about a ministry called Convoy of Hope through a friend of mine in America, Hal Donaldson. And I saw what Hal Donaldson was doing through the ministry of compassion. And I said, we are going to do this in Europe. And I started Convoy of Hope Europe 15 years ago. And I want to tell you something. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Our first main ministry, we decided to pick the worst place in Europe. And it was a place called in Albania. And we went to this place in Albania where these refugees were hanging out in a rat-infested building. I despise rats. Spiders, snakes, uh, rats, I despise. When I was a young man, my friend was bitten by a rat. And I had to go to hospital with him, and he, he killed the rat, but it was hanging from his body for two hours. And I've never forgotten that. Now that I've said it to you, you'll never forget it either. You'll wake up the night screaming. I hate rats. And we decided we were to do a ministry to this place. The people were so desperate. They were so down. They let the rats walk around all over the place and bite their kids. Every kid had a rat bite. As we walked in this building, the rats just walked alongside us, hundreds of them. So there's a ministry called Master's Commission in Europe, which used to be in America, and these kids want to die for Jesus. And I says, I'm going to give you the opportunity. So I invited them to come to Albania with me. And the first day we started to kill rats. And in one day we killed 250 rats by beating them to death with sticks. They were shocked. <laughs> I set an Irish record of 27 kills. Guinness Book of Records, very proud of that. And then we started to clean out the place. In one place, there was 50 tons of garbage in one hall, one room. 50 tons of garbage, and we removed that by hand. They said to me, Michael, will you work on the toilet? So another missionary and I from Michigan, Doug Weber, we walked into this toilet, which had not been cleaned in 10 years. It was up to here, and you know what? And so I said, thanks. I thought the rats was bad, but thank you for giving me this one. And so we put on masks. I do not have one on tonight. I really look like this. We've got scarves, T-shirts, rubber boots, two pairs of gloves. And we stepped into this thing. And I said, oh, my. And the rats were swimming around. Backstroke, the Olympic Games. <laughs> and I looked at Doug, and I says, Doug, I'll stay if you stay. And he says, I'll, I'll stay if you stay. And he says, look behind you. And I look behind me, and there's a little girl, six-year-old, in shorts and a T-shirt, laughing at me in all my clothing. And she's doing the same thing as me, only she's not, not no protection on her. And Doug said to me, if you unblock that toilet there, he said, there's stones down there. This thing will all go away. And I went, how do you unblock? He says, put your hand down. And I said, oh. <laughs> so I went, and I put my hand down, moved the stone. As I moved the stone, this rat ran up my arm, round my back, down, and swam away. I went, give me the heebie-jeebies. Do you have that word over here? It's a good word, the heebie-jeebies. But something happened that day. The Lord said to me, Michael, are you prepared to do this across the world? And I said, yes. And we put 52 of those kids into school. Some of them were 10, 11, 12 years of age for the first time. And 13 years later, most of them have graduated, 50 of them have graduated. We started Michael Enterprise. 
We worked with a local missionary there, and we started a church, the first ever church in that place. That church is now attended by 150 people. And from that day, we started Convoy of Hope Europe, and we went across Europe, 52 countries. We finished 276 projects. We ministered to 1.5 million people, and we started 50 churches, mostly in Muslim areas. Transitions transitions. You can say, I don't want to do this, and you can run. Or else you can say, God, what do you want me to do now? I love Pastor Aaron Cole. He's taken on a campus in Brookfield. He supports people all over the world. Yet he has the gall to call, ask you guys to come here today and listen to an Irish man you don't understand and help convoy with one day to feed the world. I want to put up a, a, one slide. Vision, like Pastor Aaron and the leadership has, can only come from God. What he tells you can only come from God. He is asking you this, this, uh, this, uh, today, almost made a mistake there, Aaron. He's asking me today to tell you about Convoy of Hope. Convoy of Hope wants to feed one million kids across this world. We're feeding 200,000. We want to help women's empowerment. We've had 8,000 women go through our training program all across the world to learn how to start a company, a job. 96% of them already have their own business. And in Europe, we're transforming that continent by starting churches. We, every time there's a disaster in this world, whether it's home or abroad, Convoy of Hope will be there. It's very hard for me to describe the importance of where we are here. Across this world at the moment, there's a problem with refugees. Let me tell you my problem with refugees. Three years ago, four years ago, we woke up in Europe and one, two, three million people are walking across our continent from the middle of nowhere. We didn't know, we didn't know where they were coming from. They were coming from countries that were close to the gospel. Walking, 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 trying to find something better than what they had. People say to me all the time, Michael, I don't trust these refugees. I'm sorry you don't. He said, some people say to me, some of them are ISIS. I say, probably. You say, what? You're supporting ISIS? If I look at 100 refugees in Europe, 80 of them are genuine refugees. 10 of them are economic refugees, which is fine by me. Five of them are just walking like Forrest Gump. And there's another five, and two or three of them could be, could be ISIS. So do you want me to stop helping 98 because there's two ISIS? No, we're going to help them all, and we're going to tell ISIS about the power and love and mercy of God. So Convoy of Hope, as always, they decided we were going to help these refugees in Europe. Churches like this, let me tell you something, just honestly, I'm going to embarrass Aaron. I've been in missions for close to 40 years, and the biggest ever single donor I had is this church, by far. This church has given me more money in the last five, six years, teams and personnel, and you wonder why I'm, not emo why I'm emotional? We decided to help the refugees, so we picked on a place near France, in France, called Calais. Kevin and Noel Miller go there almost every week now. And there's a refugee camp there called the jungle, enough said. And people came from all over Europe 
this jungle because it's just across the water from England. And they said, if we can get to Calais, we'll get over to England and be free. And so they walked. Some of them walked through continents six months. During that walk, 25,000 kids were stolen by traffickers. I talked to a man from Libya. He started off with his wife and two kids. I know there's some kids here and I'm gonna be careful. His wife was raped so many times, she committed suicide. His son was stolen by traffickers and when we were crossing from Turkey into Greece on a boat which had 55 people on it and room for 10, it toppled and his other kid was drowned. Let me finish that story before I continue. But every time he met something like that, some ordeal he was going through, he met a Jesus follower, he said. And when he finally came to Holland, he tracked down a church. And he said, I want to know more about this Jesus. And he now attends that church. To God be the glory. So he decided the convoy of hope would work in this refugee camp in Calais. It was the worst place I've ever seen in my life. People say they've been to Africa, the Middle East, or in the refugee camp in France. Two and a half hours from Paris was the worst one they've ever seen in their lives. No tents, cold. The food was, they give them pork, and most of them are Muslims. All around the camp, the police guarded it. They didn't care less about these people. And these people trying to go over to England, and they found out that they were not going to be allowed out of the camp and go to England. And they stayed there in suspended agony. Every night they would run trying to get on the cars underneath trucks. If they were caught, they were sent back. If a driver was caught with a refugee, he was fined $3,000. Every night they ran through the tunnel. Hundreds of them died. But what other choice did they have? And so thanks to the help of this church, we fed them. We clothe them, we give them tents, and most of all, we give them the gospel. As I was walking through the tent one day, through the camp one day, I counted 17 mosques. I started, with the help of Life Church, another church in America, I'm gonna build the first church, evangelical church. Can you show the slide of that? The first evangelical church in this refugee camp. And thanks to your help, see, you sat here one day, and you heard a better speaker than me speak at the one day to feed the world. And you give something. And you didn't understand that what you give and what you sacrificed helped me build a church in a refugee camp. And let me tell you about that church. It could seat 60. We built big walls around it. We took over 100 yards, square yards. And on the Christmas Eve, the first year, out of a population of 9,000 people, refugees, 1,000 400 refugees came to our church, stood around, and most of them accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. Thank you, Life Church. Amen. Another slide. We are stewards, not owners. Everything we have, we're stewards of it. We don't own anything. We should be more interested in heavenly influence not earthly affluence. God, I, I'm going to skip one. I thought we'll do that one anyway. Heavenly, God creates opportunities, but he values 
obedience. We worked in that refugee camp. Horrors. I have stories that I will carry to my death about the humiliation and torture, especially the women. Sometimes when they were talking to me, I said, God, I don't think I can take this any longer. Is there any good in mankind at all? Are we just animals? Are we just animals? Men, God has not called us to be predators. God has called us to be protectors. And you live this every single day, and nobody seems to be. I have two grandkids. I've heard stories about five and six and seven-year-old kids that it is an abomination. So we worked and we worked, we worked. Your church helped us. We were in Denmark one day, and then we traveled down to Holland to speak. And I heard word that they were going to close the refugee camps, including Calais. And so one night we had a telephone call that they were closing the camp. So I got some of my staff, and we drove two and a half hours down to Calais. And the place was already been set alight by the police. The police had removed all of the adults. They left behind 500 kids under the age of 15. And the predators were lurking. We went to a store. I, I, I read you or your friend Brad sent give me money. Church, and we bought all the food we can to give it to the kids. We tried to protect them. They were taken away five days later to England. But I stood in the middle of that camp and I looked over and they were burning the church, the first ever church, evangelical church. They were not burning the mosques, they were burning the church. And 8,000 people had gone to different parts all over France. They were trying to disperse the people. It was a political thing. And I sat on a rock watching the people that work with me feed these young kids. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, fires, screams. And I said, God, why did you do this? We were doing so good here. God says, Michael, because he knows us all by name. France has turned to secularism. They've turned their back on me. But from tomorrow morning, in places all over France, there'll be Syrian refugees, Pakistani refugees, refugees from Eritrea, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, who came here at great sacrifice and they heard the gospel here, and they accepted me as their savior. And from tomorrow morning, I'm asking these refugees to speak the French and win this country back to God. How can I thank you? You know, aren't I joke a lot? Every time I look at him, I say, God, thank you for sending him into my life. Thank you for bringing me to this church where the people don't understand half of what I say. And they still love me. Thank you for sending Mackenzie. And I can see what a true, true person who can go through hell can have an attitude like she has. And it speaks to me all the time. One, I'm going to show just one last slide. I'm not going to show them all tonight. We cannot allow the focal minority of this country to determine 
a desired direction of the committed majority. We cannot let a handful of people in this country decide what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. Their voices, despite the minority, are loud. I go to churches now and say, we've turned our back on missions, Mike. We're not, we're, we don't care about refugees. We don't care about the, hey, we are interested in our own community. Yet today, I stand in front of you and I say, there's a ministry called Convoy of Hope. I'm not an adequate ambassador of them. I haven't told you what's happening in the Philippines and Africa. I haven't told you what this, this people are doing across this world. I haven't told you half the stuff, one hundredth of the stuff, but I believe in this ministry. And I'm asking you today, we have a program called One Day to Feed the World. You give one day salary and help us feed the world. We're at 200,000, we want to go to a million. We want to bring 8,000 women to 50,000 women. We want to touch the continent of Europe, the continent of Africa. We want to, we want to give everything we have. I have a Syrian woman working in Bulgaria who, because she was a Christian in Syria, ISIS decapitated her husband, her father, her brother, and she escaped. And she's in a place in Bulgaria called the Convoy of Hope Oasis. It's a place where we give out food and stuff. Kevin and Noel go there. And every Sunday night, they have a service. And 13 or 14 Syrian people go there, and she's included in that. And guess who gave me the money, whose money I used to start that building in Bulgaria? Yours. Do you hear them? The cries of the lost. Different colors, different creeds, lost in their sickness and their sin. And God is going to give us an opportunity tonight. An opportunity to touch these people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. I have struggled here tonight, Lord God, because my emotions are so fraught. I thank you for this church, Pastor Aaron and staff and the congregation. This is an important weekend for us. People are waiting to hear our response. Move by your spirit and by your power and touch these people, I pray, in the precious name of Jesus of Nazareth.